All right. Hopefully you got somebody to wish you a, a happy new year. We just came out of the Christmas season. Some of you might have gotten um, some some gifts. Um, hopefully somebody gave you at least one thing. Some of you might have gotten a gift that you that you didn't expect. Um, I always love how some families, and it's so cute, a good friend of mine, he, he sent me a text. They had gotten their uh, boys a, a puppy on uh, Christmas Day, just a, the, the cutest thing. And then the second thing I thought was, oh my, do you have your work cut out for you for the next little bit, right? Um, as they take care of, take care of that, that dog. But um, I was thinking about things in our life that, uh, that require maintenance, um, I've shared, I think, this story in the past a number of years back, 10, 12 years ago. I sold a car that I had owned to a young man that I, that I knew he needed a car. I needed to get rid of the car that I had. Um, it, it didn't have high mileage, but it had some mileage, and it had been, been around the block, <laughs> no pun intended, because um, cars go, okay. Um, and he drove it for about two years when all of a sudden a mutual friend of ours said, hey, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? And I said, no. He's like... He was driving down the freeway in the car that you sold him, and it caught on fire. And, uh, like, immediately I felt bad. I was like, was that on me? Did I do something? You know, did I not take, take care of something? And so I felt bad. And then eventually, a few months later, I saw this guy. And I said, so what happened? Like, the car caught on fire? The engine caught on fire? And I was still feeling a little bit bad. And he, and he looked down. He didn't quite look me in the eye. And he said, well, you know... After you sold me the car, I, I just I failed to do something. And I said, what was it? He says, I, I never changed the oil. And so I stopped feeling bad. Um, <laughs> and then, because I was like, you what? Don't, he's like, yeah, I would just get busy. I wouldn't drive too much. But I'm like, but cars need what? They need oil and they need fresh oil because otherwise the corrosive properties come in, it catches on fire and you had the problem that my friend had. And, uh, and it was all due to the fact that he didn't take care of his car. He didn't give it the maintenance and attention that it needs. But it's not just cars that need maintenance and attention in our lives, is it? Um, I know some people here in this room, I'm not going to name names, but uh, you have tools, and you take care of those tools like it's a newborn baby, right? And you maintain those things. You want them to function well, so you take care of your tools. Some of you have yards that are precious to you. And so you take care of the yard. You trim it. You fertilize it. You water it. You, you, do, you weed it um, because you want it to look nice, and, and it's something that you, you care about. Um, we have our homes that we should do maintenance on and give attention to, you know, if you got a leaky faucet or you got a leaky pipe, you want to deal with it, right? Um, hopefully, the relationships in your life you give some attention to, you pay attention to the children maybe, like we're supposed to take care of our children. Um, you're supposed to watch over them and help them and, and get them to be off on their own. And some of you are like, I still have like middle-aged children, I'm still taking care of them, you know? Um, so there are things in our life that we're supposed to give time and attention to. Even our bodies are something that we recognize, like, listen, we got to take care of these things. Now, here's my question. Why do you, why do I, why does the average person take care of these things? Why do we follow a maintenance schedule or give attention to the things that I just mentioned? One of the answers we give is they're important to us. We take care of the things that are important to us. They're valuable. 
They have worth, and so we want them to maintain their worth. We want them to maintain their value. We want these things to last. So what do we do? We take care of them. We maintain them. We check in to make sure they're working as they should, and when they don't, we do something about it. All of us have things in our lives that we give maintenance to, that we give attention to. So let me ask you a question. In light of all these things in our lives that we give a time and attention to, when was the last time you considered your spiritual life and the maintenance and the attention that it needs? When was the last time you considered your spiritual life and the maintenance and the attention it needs? When was the last time, if you will, that you gave yourself a spiritual check up. We're entering into 2020. We're, we're, we're there. The changing of the calendar, I mean, really, it, it's in some ways, it's just a, a neutral event, but it does help us to say, you know what, as we begin one year, as we end another, we can stop and we can ask ourselves certain questions. And one of the things that I want us to look at today is this, our spiritual lives. See, we recognize that the material things in our lives require maintenance and attention. The material things in our lives require maintenance and attention. But now, did you know, number one, number two, do you actually believe that you are as much a spiritual being as you are a material one? Are you tracking with me? Do you know that you're not just a material being but a spiritual one? And if you already know that, then let me ask you, do you actually believe that you're as much spiritual as you are material. And so listen, if we know that physical bodies, this stuff right here, if it needs attention, if we have to care for this, do we not also recognize that your spiritual life as a Christian needs care and it needs attention? And so I want to ask this. As we start the new year, a new decade, let's take a moment to look backwards. In 2019, my question for you is, did you take your spiritual life seriously? Like of all the things in your life that need maintenance and attention, did you, did I, did we take our spiritual lives seriously? Not only did we take them seriously, did we seek to maintain a healthy spiritual life in 2019? As you look back, how would you answer that question? Did I take it as seriously as the other things in my life? See, my aim this morning is to do really just two things. One, to demonstrate that we should take our walk with the Lord and the condition of our spiritual selves as the most serious thing in our lives. That's number one. And number two, if we can actually see that that's true, that we should take our spiritual lives as the most serious thing to maintain and give attention to first and foremost, then secondly, how, how do we actually do that? How do we actually do that? So where we're going to start this morning is in the book of 1 Timothy. So open up in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 7 and 8. If you don't have a Bible, you can use the Bible in front of you to follow along with us this morning because I don't want anybody to miss it. I am going to put the scriptures up on the screen. But 1 Timothy, it's way there at the end of the New Testament we're going to pick it up, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. That's where we're going to begin our 
exploration this morning. Paul writes, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, he says, train yourself for what? Godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Stop there. Consider with me for a moment what God is saying to us through the Apostle Paul this morning in this passage. One of the first things that I want to just say is, Paul comes and he says, listen, taking care of your physical self, it's not a bad thing. It actually has some value. So in everything that I'm about to say, I don't want us to deny this this fact that if you have health goals, if you if you eat well, if if you go to the gym, like those things aren't bad things. Paul literally says that they have some value. But he says that only so that we won't miss the bigger point. The bigger point is this. More important for us according to God is taking care of your spiritual self and my spiritual self, developing and growing in this word, your godliness. It's not me saying that. This is God speaking to us. He literally says, rather train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value some of the time. Is that what it says? Godliness is of value in every way. And then he says, Here's where, in the present life, while you're living now, and in the life to come. If you are growing and developing your spiritual life, if you're exercising the godliness you have because of Jesus, it impacts you today and in the life to come. Now, what I want to consider just briefly is, What does that mean? How does this, giving attention to my spiritual life, growing in godliness, how how does it benefit me? How is it a blessing in my present life and in your present life today? I think the answer to it is, is very, very simple. Do you know the word godliness here? Do you know what godliness means? It means to act like God would in the world in which you live. To, to act as though to reflect the very character and nature of God in the activities, in the speech, and in the conduct of your everyday life. However God would live, that is what Paul is saying, you should manifest, I should manifest in our day-to-day lives. And so he's saying, train yourself in godliness. Now, why would that benefit me? Why would it benefit me to display the behavior, the actions, the conduct that God would display if, if, if he were living the life that I have. Here's a simple answer. He is the architect, designer, and creator of everything. And so the way that he interacts with the world is the best, perfect, and most blessed way. And so when it says train yourself in godliness, train yourself to live as as God would live in this time and in this place and in these ways, what he's saying is, is manifest God's design wherever you are. We were in a department store over Christmas, and they had this huge display of, of toy trains. You know, some of these stores, they have the big display of toy trains. And if you know 
anything about these toy trains. I shouldn't call it toy trains. I don't know what the professionals call it, but I'm saying toy trains. You know, they're, they're on these tracks, right? And they're designed to go on the tracks. They're powered, at least the, the really good ones, are powered by the tracks themselves. And so if you take one of those trains and you don't put them on the track, that's not how they're designed. You're not going to have fun. You're not going to see them go around. But there's something else. If you do have them on the tracks, they're supposed to be operated at a certain speed. And if the person who sets up the train tracks, if he, if he cranks the speed up too high, they come to a curve, what happens? They go off the tracks. God has designed us to live a certain way in the world. And when we manifest godliness, what we're doing is we're manifesting his design for us. We're like trains on the tracks functioning exactly as we're supposed to function. But when we forsake God's way, the reason why we don't experience blessing in this life is because because we've gotten out of control. And so Paul is saying to us here, listen, train yourself in godliness. Give attention to your spiritual life because as you live out who you are in and through Jesus Christ here and now, it's going to benefit you. You're going to be running on the tracks the way you were designed. But then he comes and he says, it's not just going to benefit you in this life. It says that there's also benefit for the life to come. Where's the benefit in that? As we give attention to our spiritual lives, do you know that if a person has been saved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, they're no longer a slave to sin. Did you know that? They've been made free. They've been given a, a, a new life. And it also says that God gives us his spirit and that, and that the spirit bears its fruit in our lives. And we demonstrate, we demonstrate life differently. There's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's all these things. There's a fruit that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. And if that fruit is being demonstrated in your life, then God says that's a sign that Christ is in you. And if Christ is in you, then you know what the scriptures say. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. So as you and I manifest godliness in this life, what you're doing is you're, is you're bearing testimony of the fact that there is still a life to come with Jesus. And you're going to experience it. He is speaking to us and he's saying, take your spiritual life seriously. But it's not just him that says it. Turn over a few more books towards the end of your Bible, almost at the very end, the book of Second Peter. I want to show you just this one more passage as we think about this. Should we take our spiritual lives, do we give them the maintenance and attention that they need? Peter writes, I'm going to read an extended section here, pausing along the way. First, Second Peter chapter 1, Starting in verse 2, Peter writes to a church and he says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Stop there. All right. Do you see the two things that Peter promises you will experience in your life through your knowledge of Jesus Christ? What are those two things? Grace and peace. Who likes grace? I do. Who likes peace? I do. He says, you want to know how you experience that? It's through your knowledge of Christ. You get grace and your peace through him. All right, that one's for free. Let's move on. Here we go. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Now stop there. Look at now what more he's saying. Because of his divine power, as you and I know him and what he does, has done for us. You have everything that you need 
for the life and the godliness that you are called to display. And then he goes on in verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Now pause there. What, Paul's, or what Peter's about to do here is he's saying, listen, do you see all that Christ has done for you, how he has changed you, how he has transformed you? Then he goes into verse 5 and he says, if this is the case for this reason because of who you now are, if he's really Savior and Lord, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. There is a ton here, probably a whole other sermon, but I think I can say this with clarity. Peter is writing, And he's saying, do you know who you are and what Jesus Christ has done for you? If he has saved you and redeemed you, then what should be manifesting in your life are these characteristics. And if these characteristics are not manifested in your life, then what he says here is that you've lost sight of what? Jesus Christ. It's right there. Back in verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing... They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Peter is heightening here. He's saying, you, church, should pay attention to your walk and to the spiritual condition of your life. What is your life manifesting? And then he says these words, verse 10. Therefore, brothers, therefore, sisters, be all the more, what's the word? Diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know what Peter has just told us there? What God has just told us through Peter? He is coming and he's saying, if Christ is truly in you, then what will be manifested in your life are certain characteristics. And that you will be diligent to to put those things on display. And then in verses 10 and 11, he says, and, and bear with me when I say this, he's telling us that if there is no growth or display of this godliness in our lives, we need to be concerned for the eternal condition of our souls. Listen, I don't want to scare anyone here today unnecessarily, but I do want to be someone who proclaims what God's word says. We need to take our spiritual lives seriously. And, and if we don't have a diligence to pay attention 
to what our lives are manifesting if we proclaim Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, Paul says, Peter says, your eternal soul might not be where you think it's at. You might think that you are in Christ when in fact you are or not. Now, a few weeks ago, I preached a message and I made it very, very clear. Saying and doing religious things does not make you right with God. Can I get an amen to that? It's not what you and I do. It's only through Jesus Christ and faith in his work accomplished for us that we are saved. But faith without works is what? Dead. Your life should be manifesting the truth that Christ is in you. And so let me come back to the question that I asked at the beginning. In 2019, did you take your spiritual life as seriously as God would have you? Peter uses the word be diligent. Paul uses the word train yourself. When I look at these passages, I see God saying to us, Take seriously the condition of your spiritual life. So did you, as you look back at 2019, can you, before the Lord, say, I I took it seriously. In 2019, did you maintain a healthy spiritual life? As you look back on this past year, can you see growth? We don't want to enter into a new year without being serious about the things that God himself is serious about. And so this leads to one final question. And that is, what are you and I going to do in light of God's word? What are we going to do in light of God's word that causes us to give attention and care and maintenance to our spiritual life? What are we going, if if God takes it seriously, if he wants us to take it seriously, to, to make it actually the most important thing in our life, because as Paul says, it benefits you in every way. How are we going to do this? I just want to give you a few very simple things. I believe God's word makes it very clear that there are some things that we can do in response to a message like this where God says, take a look at yourselves, care for your spiritual lives. And the first thing that I would call us to is this. When we consider how do we give attention to your spiritual life and to my spiritual life, the first thing that we can do is this, examine yourself. Examine yourself. God's word would call us that if if our spiritual lives are something that we should be mindful of and take care of, that we need to examine it. We we need to be attentive to the oil, if you will. The guy that I sold the car to, he wasn't checking the oil. He, he didn't give time and attention to it. If he, if he would have checked even the dipstick, he would have quickly realized, I need oil in this car. God says, examine yourself. In fact, there's this passage. I wonder how many of you know that this passage is in the Bible. You know, there's some passages that you read in the Bible, and you're like, I didn't know that was in there. I know I read it, but I didn't realize it. This was one of those passages that early in my ministry, I know that I had read, but then I came across it, and I said, whoa. There's something here. Are you ready for it? Now I built it up. Maybe it's not going to be as big of a deal. It is to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Look at this passage. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. He's writing to P- 
people, we preach through 1 Corinthians, so we, so we know about the church in Corinth. He calls them believers, and yet at the very end of his second letter to them, he says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? And then he pauses. Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. He is writing to believers, and he is saying what? Examine yourself. Do exactly what we're doing this morning. Ask yourselves the question, where am I at in relationship to Jesus Christ? What does my life reveal about what I believe to be true? Now, can you imagine if I or somebody in your life just came up to you and said, hey, I just, I just want you to examine yourself to see if you're even saved. You know, if I did that to you, probably the first, you'd get ticked off at me, probably. <laughs> like, who are you? How d-? Because we would want to justify, that's not what this verse is, is supposed to, it's saying, listen, I can't judge your heart. I, I don't know what's going on between you and Jesus, but I'm asking the question. I want us as a church to know it's never wrong for us to ask ourselves this question, to examine myself. We are not a church that believes that you can lose your salvation. I don't believe that the Bible teaches that. We proclaim that when Jesus Christ saves you, if you profess him as Savior and Lord, you are saved. But simply saying those words is not what saves you. It is faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and it's a gift that he gives And along with that salvation that comes to us, our lives manifest a change. Are we going to be perfect? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if you take a moment and examine your life and you see that there isn't, well, see, here's, I'm going to get ahead of myself. If you don't see fruit, Paul's saying you need to examine yourself. In fact, there's there's this passage that the psalmist He comes and he says in Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Do you know this passage? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. When was the last time you prayed that prayer? It's a great prayer. that When you look to examine yourself, it's kind of one of those scary prayers. It's like, ah, asking God to, to look and to examine us. Guess what? God already knows you top to bottom. He already knows what's there. But we as his people who want to manifest the transformation, the new life that has been bought for us through the blood of Jesus Christ, we should hear passages like this that say, examine yourselves. We should read passages like Psalm 139 that say, search me, O God, know my heart, and, and say this is what we should want. Outside of examining ourselves, we should ask the Lord to search our hearts. To say, search me. Help me to see, is there anything in me that that I'm doing that isn't consistent with who I am in and through Jesus Christ? And here's the deal. If you examine yourself in this way, if you ask God to search your heart and you, you come back with this, I don't really believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. I, I, I don't really believe that. Guess what? If it comes back and you see that in your heart and mind, here's what the Bible calls you to. Repent and believe. If anyone confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. 
And, and, and so if you come back and you say, my, I, I might have been going to church, I might have been going through the motion, but I haven't really accepted him as Savior and Lord, then today's the day that you can confess and believe. And, and, if, and if in the examination of your heart, what comes back is this, you begin to see sinful patterns, sin in your life that you haven't dealt with, the answer is the same. Confess and believe. Confess and receive the forgiveness that's already yours, saying that I haven't been living as the new creation that I am, and believe in his righteousness that is already yours. Examine yourself. Ask the Lord to search your heart. Here's the last thing that I'd ask you to do under this. Check your fruit. If you're, if you're not sure where your spiritual life is at right now, check your fruit. How many of you, when you go to the store, you just grab fruit and you just throw it in your basket? Not the best thing to do. You check it, right? Is it good? Is it bad? You know, uh, my, my brother had taken one of his sons to the grocery store and they were, um, they were looking at eggs and he opened up the egg container and to see if the eggs were cracked. Have you ever done that, right? It's like, that's smart to do. You just don't want to throw those eggs in there because some of them might be cracked. His his son said, Dad, what are, you, what are you doing? You can't do that. Because what do we teach our kids? Don't open packages in the store, right? And he's like, Dad, Dad, you're going to get in trouble. He said, no, no, you, you can do this with eggs. I'm, I'm here to tell you, you can do this with yourself. You can see, is there Galatians 5? It talks about walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. We can examine our fruit. We can say, is there love? Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there patience? Is there kindness? Is there goodness? Is there faithfulness? Is there gentleness? Is there self-control? You can go to Galatians 5. You can read that passage and you can use that to say, in relationship to my wife, my children, my coworkers, do I see this? I was with a dear brother the other day. His, his wife is passing away. And one of the things that he said to me was, he's like, Dave, one of the things I'm so worried about is like, she's checked me on this. She's like, she's the one who said, now was that gentle? It's <laughs> like, I'm not gonna have that in my life anymore. I'm like, well, you still have the Holy Spirit, buddy. We can work with that, right? He can be there. But I was so, so grateful for him to recognize, like, listen, we check our fruit. It's what God calls us to, to examine ourselves. And then he helps us because it's the spirit that bears the fruit in my life. So does my speech, does my conduct, does it consistently reflect the fruit of the spirit in my life? Examine yourself. I pray for you for myself that this Sunday wouldn't go by without you and I doing that. Just taking that spiritual inventory. And then I close with this, just one final thing. It's not just examining ourselves, but Paul said it best when he said, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. How do we do that? I have no idea. I'm teasing. (laughs) How do we train ourselves for godliness? Well, God's word is very clear. Um, In order to to manifest godliness, you have to know what God is like. The number one thing necessary for training yourself in godliness is a knowledge of the God who you're trying to follow. To receive that knowledge, we go to this, his word. Do you give yourself to the time and attention necessary to know the God who you are called to follow and whose character you are to display. It's through a knowledge of this word and through a knowledge of God that that training yourself in godliness begins. I love that Paul uses the word that is used of Olympic athletes in ancient Greece. When he says, train yourself 
in godliness, he's, he's using the exact same phrase that's used of athletes. Listen, everyone knows that athletes give their time and attention and energies to the feat that they're trying to accomplish. And he says, so too you and I should give ourselves to coming to know him and then the time and the effort necessary to display those things in my life. And you know what's so utterly unbelievable about our God, amongst many other things, is not just that he has given us a full revelation of himself. Listen to what Peter says here. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. He says, all the knowledge is here if you give yourself to it to live the life that he would desire for you to live. And not only is all the knowledge here, but then he says, I've given you my spirit. You, 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 you. I couldn't go all the way. There's too many of you. The spirit indwells you with the power to live out the godliness that you are called to display. That is remarkable and unbelievable that the God that we serve would not only love us so much that he would redeem us from the punishment for our sins, but then give us the power and the knowledge of him to actually live these new lives in and through him. And so my prayer for us in 2020 as a church family is that this year would be a year that our church family grows in godliness grows in the blessed life that we have in and through Jesus because we took our spiritual selves more seriously than any other year before. It's what God wants for you. It's what he wants for me. And so may the Lord help us in that. Amen? Let's pray together. With your heads bowed and just your eyes closed, would you maybe join me just in the quietness of where you're at to even... Consider just starting right now and praying that prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my every thought. See if there be any grievous way in me. Would you consider just even praying that right now? Lord, would you hear the prayers of us, your people? As we give ourselves to you and pray, Lord, that you would help us in the year ahead to take more seriously than any other time. Lord, these new lives that you've given us in and through Jesus, that we would be attentive to the spiritual condition of of our souls, seeking to grow in you so that in this life and in the life to come, we might know the blessing that you have for us and that we wouldn't just keep this to ourselves. Lord, that we would share the good news of the gospel and the transforming power that it brings to others so that they too might know that blessing and power in their life. So we pray and we ask this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen.